1: What's up, everybody? Happy Friday to you. I'm Anthony Kazenza. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals Podcast, and this is Listener Questions Live, where we field your questions. We answer to the best of our abilities or give our opinions, whether you agree with them or not, on a lot of different topics. Obviously, with training camp up and running here, there's a lot of different things to talk about. But uh, good to be with you all. And, John, good to be with you. Happy
2: Friday, my friend. Happy Friday to you. Hope the weather is a little bit nicer out in Southern California Uh-oh. than it is. You having, you having some bad bad stuff going on over there? Well, you know it's Ohio, so you know it kind of <laughs> comes kind of comes to the territory. Before we get to the questions, though, I, I feel like we need to start at a, a very important part of the show, and I feel like if anyone isn't aware of this, then I feel like we need to make people aware of this. I'm going to share my screen a little bit here, and this was a picture posted. By Paul Danner Jr., and this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen personally. This is like Bengals running back Chris Evans's glorious pile of the greatest snacks I've ever seen. Like you have just some absolute classics in here. You have two bags of Kit Kats. I see some some zebra cakes. You, you got the cosmic brownies. You got some. You got you got some Hostess uh, white powdered donuts. Like. I feel like we need to start here by asking you a question, Anthony. If you, if you had to rank your top three items that are just gloriously laid out here, how, how would you go about ranking them?
1: Well, I'm t- I'm trying to full screen this bad boy. I'm seeing a couple things I recognize. Am I seeing the soft and chewy chips Ahoy? Am I seeing yeah, that right up front? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Those were as a kid, man. Those things were just money for me. I, you know, the chips Ahoy were always good, but the, I the chewy ones. I know about something about that was really really awesome. Uh, not, it looks like a bag of marshmallows, not a marshmallow guy personally, unless it's maybe wow, okay. more. Yeah. And I, I like marshmallow peeps at Easter is like, uh, just gag me. Honestly, uh, awful. <laughs> uh, I do. And, and I've got more, I've got more of the, the like savory salty palette. So I'm seeing the cheese. It's over there in the corner. Those are pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I don't know if those are white cheddar or not. Um, so those are pretty solid. Those are a couple things that are sticking out from this absolute goldmine pile here that I'm, that I'm seeing.
2: I'm seeing some whites, the the white bagged Skittles. I'm a Skittles connoisseur, and those are very much slept on. Like I'm more of the wild berry uh, uh, stand myself, but I feel like the, the white Skittles need, needs 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 a shout out. The vanilla wa the, the, the vanilla wafers though, you know, they, they get lost in the shuffle when they're playing in the same conference as Oreos, and there there are some Oreo representation here. But I'm I'm glad that he he went out and got that. It's like, of like Sour Patch Kids as well but I, I i'm with you on the, on the soft chewies though or, or the, the chewy chips ahoy that's got to be my top three i feel like the, the kit cats also got to be there and the Cats well, are solid yeah and, and the zebra cakes i've saw one um nfl person or nfl fan like try to claim that like the bengals new white helmet looks like a zebra cake and he was trying to make the, the, that as like an insult and i really question that dude's palate because zebra cakes are delicious and if your uniform is representative of zebra cake then it's one of the best uniforms in the NFL. So shout out to Chris Evans. And I'm a little mad though, because I want to be able to eat all this and not look like I'm 400 pounds, but you know, he (laughs) has an NFL regimen where he can just stay at uh, 200 pounds and all of this.
1: Yeah. When you're, when you're exercising like a madman, especially in the heat like that, you're able to eat all that stuff and not even give a crap about it. So um, cool. (laughs) That's a good find there. (laughs) That's a good find there, dude. Uh, Secondarily to that, as you all may or may not know, we are supporting a great cause as well. I put this in the uh, the live chats here. GiveSendGo.com slash Pollock Family Foundation. We had David Pollock on, not not this Wednesday, but the past Wednesday, and we're doing kind of a long-term fundraising event here um we have not come close to raising what we had kind of hoped for and what we had hoped for from mr pollock and his foundation there are still time there is still time and there are still prizes to be to be won and some good ones and we'll kind of unveil those as we gather more and more we already have some on hand here but small donations if all of you some of you most of you just give small donations five bucks i mean basically what is the equivalent of pocket change whether it's through our super chats on our youtube channel or if you go straight to givesendgocom send, slash Pollock family foundation, you can go right there, donate. And it's, it's a very simple platform. Very, very similar to uh, you know, GoFundMe and whatnot. So you can go there, even if it's five bucks, if, if you liked, if you listened to the interview, if you just listened to the interview and I know uh, that we had quite a few downloads from it, if you gave it a listen and you enjoyed it, give a buck, give five bucks, give whatever. And it's going to go there. They are doing a lot of different work. Um, helping at-risk mothers, at-risk youth, the Children's Hospital down in Atlanta. And then they are branching out and trying to make this thing a bit more nationwide as well to give help to a lot of different folks. And we want to support them. You know us, uh, we like to support a lot of different causes and and help out, uh, spread the word on current Bengals, former Bengals, what they're doing in the community what, and, and all of that. And we want to support that and we want to thank David for his time and hopefully you did enjoy that that 35-minute interview that we had with him. Uh, great guy there. So we put the links in the live chat. And so please, please, please think about donating. Even if it's something small, it makes a big difference. Uh, if you want to get your questions to us, you can call or text 949-542-6241. You can leave them in the live chats, whether it's on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page or our YouTube channel. We have a comment thread running on a post on CincyJungle.com. You can tweet them at us at BengalsOBI or, you know, we'll we'll keep an eye on a couple of different accounts there. And then, of course, you can email us, theOBIinsider at gmail.com. We'll keep an eye on that there. So get your questions in. I know this was kind of a last minute thing we did, but uh, we're going to answer as many as we can here on the live show, John um, let's start with our buddy, Brian on Twitter yeah. uh, at, at Bart bow or be art bow. Uh, how do you evaluate camp performances in these one-on-ones? This is a great question, by the way, or a couple of couple of tied in questions. How do you evaluate camp performances in these one-on-ones? We see everything with a grain of salt or, do you expect want to see dominance from some players' groups? How do you balance what you see? We remember the chase can't catch foolishness. Great, great question and a good one to start off with. It is it is difficult, especially when you're not talking about these fully padded practices and all that kind of stuff. I think what you want to see, and this is just me personally, you're you're the brains here, buddy. And so you can answer this much more astutely than I can, but I think what you want to see, particularly from some players. Like a Jackson Carmen, or you know, some of these younger players, players in their year two, year three, that have been growing, developing, you kind of want to see a little bit of quicker reactions, a little bit more of um, play, play instinctively, and not necessarily think too much, and not not have to be corrected uh, so much. I think that I mean it's it's a pretty basic answer, but I think that that's those are small victories in these drills and, and things of that nature. And then, of course, for me, you know, when you're doing red zone stuff when you're doing uh, drills of that nature we know that the Bengals struggled in the red zone throughout the postseason and getting into the end zone they kicked a lot of field goals a lot of long field goals and it took them a long way through the postseason but shoring up and obviously that goes with the offensive line but shoring up that red zone offense and being able to punch it in the end zone I think those are some of the small things that you can look for um, at least that I would be looking for here in terms of improvement or things to watch
2: I think it depends when you're talking specifically about individual players. It depends on where your evaluation is with that player heading into camp. So if if you're talking about Jamar Chase last year and all the drops, people who watched Jamar Chase at LSU knew that that wasn't necessarily an issue. He was the most dominant receiver in college football for a year, and drops weren't really a part of the scouting report with him. So when it happened, it was – it should have been treated as like a, a freak thing. Like he took some time off from football. It, it was an acclimation period to get back into the swing of things. And people kind of ran with it saying like, oh, we can't catch NFL football, you know, adjust the ranks accordingly. I, I think where you are with your evaluations of certain players and what they can and can't do based off of what they have been in the past, it really goes a long way in determining what is valuable to take away from practices and individual drills and whatnot and also when it comes to just individual drills because people really love to see offensive linemen versus defensive linemen in those one-on-one situations it gets a lot of traction during the senior bowl it obviously gets traction during training camp when they first put the pads on like for example we just saw on Tuesday I want to say Joseph Asai kind of you know know, give Isaiah Prince the business there um, and cleanly want to rep and that's a that's should be a sign that Osai is making progress and that, you know, he did some good things there. But there's also context that needs to be taken with those types of drills. Like the defensive line or the the pass rushers in those situations are always going to have the advantage because it's a true one-on-one situation and the offensive lineman doesn't have any help. So if the defensive lineman sets him up at the outside and 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 hits him back with an inside counter, like Osai did there, like the offensive lineman, no matter how good he is, he's always going to be at a disadvantage. And obviously the better offensive lineman can kind of, you know, counter a little bit better and manage that rep a little bit better. But some of those drills are always going to favor one side or the other, like one-on-one receiver versus cornerback drills. That's usually in favor of the receiver because the cornerback is on an island by himself. He has no help. Whoever is attacking in these drills is usually the, the, the player that is designed or positioned to win more than the other. But when you're talking about if a player is having good practices or bad practices you know, what are they struggling at? Is this something that they've been struggling with for a long time? Are they not making progress in these certain specific areas? That is what the coaches are mainly looking at. And that's how they can kind of gauge the progress.
1: That's a great point. And it's, again, it's kind of uh, back to basics. But, I mean, when when I was was coaching, not, not football, but when I would coach baseball, one of the things that you would look for is don't keep, making the same mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Don't keep doing the same things, even if it was from last year, even if it just don't – if it was from yesterday, from last year, from whatever, don't keep making the same mistakes. And, you know, if you're making different mistakes, I mean, you can you can try and do what you can to correct that. But as long as you are showing growth from some of these players, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the key there. And then a good tie-in, another question we received here was um, from – Andy Blankenship, uh, how long is the leash for musician slash part-time NFL guard Jackson Carmen after getting abused daily by UDFA defensive tackles? Is a free agent guard move still in the cards? Musician?
2: Did, did he play a musical instrument? I'm confused by that. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I'll have to look about that. I remember the old offensive line coach, the, the piano man. I don't know if that's a reference to that, but right. <laughs> uh, w- with Carmen, I, th- I think it's still like, it's still his job to lose at this point. I think there was a lot of hype with Portal volson after the draft and then minicamp and he kind of adapted pretty well, kind of came in as like a guy that takes well to coaching and whatnot. We haven't really heard a lot about him so far in training camp, albeit it's only been a week and they haven't played any games. They've only been practicing. So we don't really know how that competition is, if it even is a competition at this point, because it seems like Carmen is getting most of, if not all, of the first team reps at left guard. And I think the more reps that he gets at that specific position, the better he will be in terms of consistency and not seeing maybe some bad reps against some of the other defensive tackles. But like we just talked about, like in those drills where maybe, maybe Carmen suffers a loss or two, like that's that's going to happen regardless of who you are as an offensive lineman unless you're like Orlando pace or something like that so Carmen is going to take some L's in those one-on-ones because again they favor the defensive lineman because they have a true one-on-one situation and you can always look at it the other way like hey guys are beating like a a year two guard who is clearly in better shape than he was last year we've heard you know a decent amount of good things about Carmen too and, and how well that he's kind of adapted towards this year I think the leash I don't think it's like too long necessarily, but I I do think it's notable that we haven't really been seeing Volson taking any reps with the ones, or at least not that we've heard about. I think it's mainly just been Carmen and they're probably going to give him the entire preseason to really verify himself there.
1: I would agree with you. I think, again, they just, they want it to work. They want it to work with him. And, you know, there's probably still going to be, he's still very young. I mean, I think, when you looked at the the two draft picks last year, Chase and, and Carmen, those are two of the youngest players on the roster. I mean, obviously you would say that them being rookies, but they were young rookies. So, I mean, they're still, they're still both very young and where I know we're talking about Carmen and his development. So you got to, you got to think about that. Obviously there was the the back procedure that he had done last year. Um, Maybe just based on everything and just, little bit of a shell shock, like, wow, this, the, the NFL is just different. Uh, this position playing guard instead of left tackle is different. Um, and so learning and processing all of that, you know, he, hopefully he's taken that stuff to heart and, and, you know, going to take that leap forward here. I, I still think there's going to be lumps. That's the biggest question mark on the offensive line, obviously, but uh, you know, that's, that's uh, the guy that I think a lot of people have under the microscope going forward, because when you look at everywhere else on this, on this team, you know, I know you got Jesse Bates out of there, so you're looking at Dax Hill and, and some other spots. But I mean, for the most part, most of this roster is very settled, and that is that. You know, that's it seems to be his spot, but that is just a spot where you're still going. You know, how how solid is his grasp on that? And like you said, the preseason games are going to tell us a lot about that. Uh, John, do you have the the Cincy Jungle post up? I do. Yes. Okay, did you see the
2: comment and the t- the the commenter's name that is on there? No, but I, I have a feeling I know who it's going to be. Okay, this is this is not me. I, I don't know who this is, but you know I like him too John much. To, to get, John's so, burner. John's to, burner to get him off the website. So, um, John Sheeran's biggest fan is asking, "How is the new offensive line looking after one week of camp? Will Col- Will Lell Collins get some reps soon?" So, kind of piggybacking off of what you just said, Anthony, I think one of the reasons why, like, Carmen is getting as many reps as possible is because they want as much continuity there. Like, they've been dealing with competition after competition for these individual spots for the better part of the last, I don't know, half dozen years. They've always had guys coming in and out of the starting lineup at this time of year because they were unsure of who's going to fill into those spots. And now they're dealing with, you know, integrating Alex Kappa in at right guard. And I think he's, if not 100 percent all the way back, like he's training in that direction in terms of always being on the field for those 11-11 drills, it's just Lel Collins right now who's still on the rehab field, and I think they're still going to list him as day to day, just like they're listing Joe Burrow right now. And what that means is that it, it just they, they don't really have a strong grasp on on a timetable when he's coming back, but they they're pretty confident that he's going to be returning sooner rather than later, mean before sometime before week one. So I think. With that being said, like they want as little you know movement in terms of you know guys rotating in and out of those spots as possible, and I think that is going to help like the offensive line gel when it eventually all comes together. But I think right now there's only been what two or three padded practices so far. I think today is going to be the third padded practice, and all reports from yesterday, Anthony, were saying that the defense was really dominating the offensive line. The defensive line was really getting. Uh, penetration against the offensive line. And that was probably, I think, with Kappa there, right guard, and um, either Deontay Smith or Isaiah Prince or right tackle. But you have the same starters from left tackle to center and Jonah Williams, Jackson Carmen, Ted Karras. Those days are going to happen in, in practice. I feel like we always talk about the defensive line kind of dominating in this part of camp. So we, we haven't really seen the full offensive line yet, and I think that's why this question is just a little bit too premature.
1: Yeah, and Mark Fry is tagging on with it at the on the YouTube channel there. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we haven't had the full look at everything yet. I mean, the, the personnel hasn't, Kappa has been eased back in. Collins, you know, I think they're playing it real safe there. You're getting a mixed bag from Jackson Carmen. there's no doubt about it. But you did hear, and granted, you know, take this for what you will, but on Back Together Saturday, Joe Mixon had a couple of big runs. Right, and and he has been talking up, and as he is known to do, but he has been talking up the offensive line, and he feels that he is in in for his biggest year yet, and that's saying something based on the season he had last year. So, uh, right now, without all of the pieces there and all of the additions there, and without them being at potentially one hundred percent, talking about Kappa, but you know, once you get Kappa in there, once you get Collins in there, the other thing that I think we all we all just think. Even though these guys are veterans, Karis, Kappa, and Collins, um, you know, they, they haven't played together either. So, right. I mean, you, you got to get that cohesion. You're going to get that a little bit in preseason. It may It may take a little time in the regular season, a couple of games to get everything under wraps there. It will be better, obviously, and when things hit their full stride, it should be notably better than what we saw last year. But this isn't just plug and play with guys that haven't – they've never played – really together before. So, I mean, you're getting new guys in there and you're getting improvements, but that's something to to definitely take note of. Um, so this may take a little time for it to, to go well. There are already some some noticed improvements, but like you said, it seems like the defense has had its way a little bit uh, on some of these practices and some of these
2: drills. Um, where are we going next, John? Let's see here. We had, all right, so we had a question from LeVar Hollis asking about, the Bengals should bring in Rob Gronkowski due to the Drew Sample injury, and I think we should just bring this up just to clarify what's going on with Drew Sample. Uh, On Thursday, he suffered, I believe, a knee injury, and the doctors took a long time to look at it, and he was eventually carted off the field. And I believe today Zach Taylor said that it's not a season-ending injury for Drew Sample, but he is going to be out for a couple of weeks. And we had someone else – uh, Mark Fry asking, do we know what Sample's injury is other than just a leg injury? I, I think it is like a minor, I should say, quote unquote minor MCL sprain, and you know that's pretty common that that we see around the NFL, and usually during the season, maybe you would be out like maybe a week or two, depending on how severe it is. But anything, I feel like, with it being training camp and the preseason, and Drew Sample being you know 100% locked for the roster. They're probably not going to rush him back. Um, we might not see him until maybe the start of the regular season. Maybe he'll, he'll practice once uh, week one comes around. But I feel like he, more importantly than anything, he dodged a major bullet here and is not going to be out for the remainder of the last year of his contract. And to answer Lavar's question, it, it seems like Gronk is probably retired, and the only reason why Gronk would come out of retirement is if to play with Tom Brady again. But if he doesn't want to do that, I don't think he's going to show up in Cincinnati. <laughs>
1: There's two There's two major reasons here why I say a resounding no. Number one, where we've seen them use Drew Sample of late has been kind of this H-back, I said it the other night, a little bit of an H-back, fullback type of role coming out of the backfield a little bit. That's not really what Gronk does. Um, and so if you're talking about replacing, if you're talking about just getting another player at the position group, then yeah, I see what you're saying there. But the roles and what they're recently asking of Drew Sample, it, it would seem in practices and clips that I've seen at times, it's not the same deal, right? You don't want, you're not, you are not you are not putting Gronk back there in the backfield. You want him kind of split out wide or what have you to, to make noise in the passing game. Um, and the other thing you mentioned it, if Gronk, Gronk isn't coming back with Brady, I don't, I don't think he's, I mean, I know he's talked up Burrow and all this stuff. I, I just, I don't see it happening. The only way I think Gronk would come back to a team Obviously, as if he keeps in shape throughout the season, maybe midway through season he joins a team that's on a run, whether that is the Buccaneers or another team um, comes in late to avoid, you know, taking the wear and tear. But maybe, maybe ring chase a little bit, depending on on what happens, and obviously other injuries that occur to other teams there. But I just don't see it
2: happening for a couple of those reasons. And also, if Gronk is going to play at anywhere. He's going to want to maybe enjoy himself a little bit, and if. Joe Burrow says there's not a lot to do in Cincinnati. What do you think, Rob Gronkowski
0: thinks? About Cincinnati?
2: Like maybe maybe when Paul Brown Stadium has that has that nightclub and like the gambling bar, maybe maybe he'll come around in, in five years or whatever. But probably probably not now.
1: I've got a funny story about that. When I was out in Vegas for the draft, um, I, I forget what hotel it was. I don't know if it was the the Flamingo or the Tropicana. Or I can't remember exactly which one it was. But as I'm going to where the draft is, uh, I'm going by. I walk by this pool that was set up with all these kind of platforms and spotlights and and big sound systems and all this kind, of, you know, all this kind of stuff where they're obviously having some sort of televised pool party thing there, whether it's in the day and or night. And I come to, I, I just walk by. I'm looking and I'm hearing people talk, and I just look in there and I see signs that it was Rob Gronkowski's hosted pool party at this at this Vegas pool during the draft. And I'm going. So when you say, you know, things where Joe Burrow's like, you know, what are you going to do in Cincinnati or what have you? Um, you know, you think back to things like that with Gronk and you go, Yeah, he's he's kind of likes to do his his own thing and and have a little fun here and there. There is no doubt about it. We're going to be here a little while longer answering your questions. Uh, this is listener questions live on the orange and black insider Bengals podcast. You can get your questions to us through the live chats on our YouTube channel, the Cincy jungle Facebook page. You can tweet at us at Bengals OBI or other uh, avenues. We'll keep an eye on the Cincy jungle one as well. And then we've got a comment thread running on the post on cincyjungle.com. You can call or text 949-542-6241 email us the OB insider at gmail.com. If you do a super chat, Today, in our YouTube channel, that's going to go to the Pollock Family Foundation and the GiveSendGo.com slash Pollock Family Foundation fundraiser that we've started there. So please support that, whether it's with a super chat or directly go donate there. Please, please, please. We're looking for your help.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge.
1: let's uh, go with this one here good question here from Chad Hellier in the in the Facebook uh, who will stand out more during preseason games Wyatt Hubert Zachary Carter Tyler Shelvin or Jeff Gunter um, for me I I'm gonna say Carter or Gunter um, those are the two guys I think of that group that'll stand out the most I think Shelvin just, for what he does. I don't think there's going to be a lot of, you know, impactful, super wow plays that you're going to notice just right away. Uh, he may have a couple of nice run stuffs or what have you in there. I just, and I like Tyler Shelvin. Uh, if we're just talking about wow plays, impactful plays, that sort of thing. I see Carter, um, you know, it sounds like he's been doing some good things in camp. And then Gunter, I, I, I'm pretty excited about him. I think he's he could be a nice addition to that Uh, that edge group there so those are the two guys that really pop out here that I think you know as you get into the second half of these preseason games the third quarter the fourth quarter you know these guys can kind of tee off a little bit against some fringe roster players that are are trying to grind for spots
2: yeah I think there's a couple ways to answer this I feel like if Shelvin is the one that stands out the most I feel like that's the biggest win for the Bengals considering where he was last year the fact that he was barely even on the roster at that point he wasn't active on, on game days he was a little bit out of shape if he comes in and just for you know dominates as like a backup nose tackle which is definitely possible because he's going up against backup offensive linemen but if he shows out to be like a considerably better player than last year they're going to feel a lot better about the, the defensive tackle group as a whole but I feel like Anthony there, there's always one defensive end for the Bengals that like pops off in in preseason I remember like it was mm-hmm. Chris Carter in like 2015 Chris Smith 2017, Joseph Asai for the one game uh, last year. I feel like I'm going to go Wyatt Hubert. I, I, don't, I don't know if I, if I think he's a considerably better player than Jeff Gunter. And I think Jeff Gunter is really talented and probably should have been drafted a little bit earlier than where he was. But Hubert is a year removed from, I believe, a pectoral injury. So he's completely healthy. I haven't heard a ton about him in training camp. But there's always one guy that kind of takes people by surprise a little bit, flies under the radar. But Hubert's going to get a ton of snaps. There's a ton of opportunity for these guys in the second and third team at edge rusher. And there's always one that really just you know generates a lot of pressure. Darius Hodge last year, too. He ended up mm-hmm. garnering a roster spot. Now he's with the Dolphins. So I feel like Hubert or Gunter is going to be in, in that position to do it. And I feel like we've talked a lot about Gunter just because he's a rookie this year. And Hubert's a little bit under the radar right now. So I'm going to go with him.
1: Okay, I like it. Uh, I, I saw one on the Cincy Jungle Twitter account. We'll get there in a second, but you are up, my friend. We'll just answer a handful more and and keep this thing
2: going for a little bit longer. But uh, where do you want to go next? So we had a question from Joshua Patterson. He's asking about Cam Taylor Britt, and his question is, do you think the Bengals put Cam Taylor Britt with the second-team defense in order to fuel him to play better, similar to Evan McPherson and his kicker competition last year? So the context behind this is Eli Apple, I think, suffered a minor injury a couple of days ago, a couple practices ago. Cam Taylor-Britt initially filled in for him with the first team, and I believe Thursday it was a college free agent by the name of Alan George who filled in as the starting cornerback ahead of Cam Taylor-Britt. So Taylor-Britt stayed with the second team despite uh, Eli Apple not playing. So th- this is a little bit interesting. I-, I feel like because a lot of people expect expected Taylor-Britt to compete like in a true one-on-one competition with Eli Apple for that starting job. But Anthony, it feels like Eli Apple is by far like the consensus, like starting quarterback in the, in the coach's eyes. We're not really seeing that as like a true competition, much like Jackson, Jackson Carmen is clearly ahead of Cordo Wilson in that competition. So maybe this is just in a minor indictment on where they view Cam Taylor Britt right now. I feel like because they traded up for him, there's a perception that they felt like he was ready to go year one, but, it is a tough position to kind of acclimate yourself within year one. But then again, Alan George wasn't undrafted for agent at the same position. I don't think he's like, you know, he's on the he's in the NFL for a reason, like he's got talent, but people expected Taylor Britt to get that opportunity, I guess. I'm not necessarily sure it's to fuel him. I think it's because maybe they haven't seen enough from Taylor Britt yet. And Alan George might have been making some plays with a third or fourth team at cornerback, and I want to see how he does against better competition. But again, these are just some of the things that you see early in camp. The coaches are just trying new things because they still have a month away from the regular season. And maybe it's something more than that. First
1: of all, you got to get the title, right? OBI's BFF, Cam Taylor Britt, right? Yeah. Uh, Go, go back and check out that interview with him, by the way, really, really great guy. Um, The, I I mean, all of what you said is accurate, but, uh, you know there could also be okay, Eli Apple out with an injury. Um, they may have higher hopes for Taylor Britt and they kind of say let's let's kind of ease up on the snaps or ease up on on some of that right now. Let someone else that we want to give a more extended look to because Camp Taylor Britt's a roster lock. So mm-hmm. it, it could just be let's a, a camp body thing. Let's give a guy a shot that is grinding for a spot. Let's put him up against some of the starters and see how he holds up. And I, I think that that is part of the equation here. You could be, you know, again, you would think if the regular season was going to start today, this would not be the scenario, right? I mean, you would put your second round pick in there uh, behind Eli Apple. If Eli Apple was to leave with an injury, you would have Cam Taylor-Britt out there and obviously kind of a committee situation and maybe you'd move around Dax Hill a little bit if Jesse Bates is back. You know, there's all kinds of different things you could do here. But I, I, I just think that, uh, this is kind of a camp body. Give give the other guy a little bit of an extended look against some of the, the top players. Maybe spell and take off a little bit of the snaps on Taylor Britt just to make sure that, again, they don't want injuries. They don't want injuries to important players. They don't want injuries to roster locks. They don't want any of that kind of stuff, to high picks. So, uh, you know, while it could be, hey – even though you're a high pick, you got to earn it. Hey, maybe you got to show us more, all of that kind of stuff. I do think that there's maybe a little bit of a, another method to the madness, so to speak, where you're giving another guy a little bit more snaps to give him an extended look that he may not get down the road and, or you're saving Taylor Britt from potential
2: injury situations. Yeah. And I think to, to Josh's point, it could just be a situation where they're trying to push him. Maybe like, I feel like when that happens, it is usually with players that are within good graces with, with the coaching staff and they're just trying to get the most out of them because they believe there is more in there. And I think that's not, it's not like a bad thing if Taylor Britt is, is in that situation. I just think with these things, we just don't know the context of, of their rotations and, and why they're putting guys on out on the field with certain teams and whatnot. So it is a little bit difficult to speculate when when we don't know. So we're just trying to, Know, come out with logic that, that makes sense from, from our point of view. But it definitely could be a situation where, hey, they, they like what Taylor Bird's doing, but they want to see a little bit more. And maybe this is something that can kickstart that. So we and, we'll see.
1: Yeah, and in his interview with us, he talked about initial role being special team centric, earning his way there and and getting, you know, earning his way to a defensive role through special teams. He talked about that. So um anyway, go go back and check out that interview with him. Great guy. And we, we've got, I think we've all got high hopes for him. In the Cincy Jungle Twitter account, when we posted the, um, the post there, the story for the live, the live comment section, Peter Puck um, says, is Drew, D-R-U-E, not sample, but Chrisman, getting chances to hold for Shooter or just Huber? And how is Drew Chrisman looking um,
2: in, in camp? It's a good question. We haven't really seen a ton <laughs> of, of punter content. I did see uh, Darren Simmons uh, get off some 40-year punts when I was down there. He, he's, got, he's got... Look, look at that, like, yeah, that guy. Yeah, I mean, he's probably got experience working with punters for eight years. I'd blow out but, my hammy if I tried it right now. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like he was going like all the way back. It was just one of those like drop <laughs> kicks, you know, for 35 yards. But yeah, I, I do believe that they're giving him opportunities there. Like, that's obviously the second most important part of the job description. I will say, like... In the brief moments that I did see Crispin punt, I feel like Huber had a little bit more consistency, which makes sense. He's been doing it for a lot longer. But, yeah, I feel like this is something where we're going to see, like, constantly changing in the preseason. Like, maybe Chrisman gets – or maybe Huber gets the first chance in the preseason and then just go back and forth and back and forth. I am interested, though, if they do stick with, like, certain groupings for that because I feel like they have been doing – like Adamitis snapping to Huber or Clark Harris snapping to Chrisman. I feel like they have been switching on and off, and it's not going to be a situation where either both Huber and Clark Harris make the team or neither of them make it. Just, they just go with the young platoon there. So I feel like it is going to be a true one on one competition between both guys at their own individual positions. And we could see a scenario where Clark Harris is snapping to Drew Chrisman in the regular season or it's Cal Adamitis snapping to Kevin Huber. So we'll see.
1: We'll see. Um, You know, it's, it's hard to think of that, that battery of those two guys, uh, Harris and Huber one or both not being there, but I mean, they are up there in age and um, you know, you gotta, you gotta feel the best team there, but um, obviously those two were kind of fan favorites for a lot of different reasons and have been good players for the team for a long time. A couple more and then we'll hop out of here, John, where,
2: where are we going next? I guess we'll just stick on the special teams uh, theme here. Do you think, Zach is a LeVar Hollis, excuse me, is asking if Zach Taylor will be more emboldened to try 60 yard field goals with McPherson due to his crazy camp success. Well, you also have to remember that this is the perfect time to be kicking those 60 yard field goals. It gets a little bit tougher, uh, when the ball is a little bit harder in in the winter time when it's cold, but they they know McPherson has that leg, that's why they they trotted him out there for multiple attempts beyond 50 yards. You got to remember, like when Randy Bullock was here, like, it was a r- it was a rarity to see him kind of kick 50-yard field goals because there was just basically no confidence in that. So I feel like the confidence has never wavered in regards to McPherson be- being able to hit. There were some, I think, instances where maybe, like, the win was just not in their favor and they decided to punt in situations where McPherson feasibly has the power to make a field goal of that length. But, yeah, I feel like the more McPherson proves that he can, you know, consistently hit – from beyond there which is a rarity when you're talking about just kickers nowadays like everyone can be able to kick a 55 or 60 yard field goal but it's about who can make it the most consistently and if McPherson continues to show the accuracy in these moments and yeah of course the trust is going to happen but this is again this is also the best time to show off that because it's 80 degrees and the ball really pops off the leg
1: yeah situational what's the situation right I mean you you could look at it and I think if the down is uh, I mean well we know the down would be fourth down if the distance is not very manageable then he may be more inclined to try something like this uh that's what you that's what you do with Justin Tucker right And, and McPherson based on what we saw as a rookie he's got a little bit of that uh you know he's got a little bit of that gene in him there so um I I would see it maybe in non-not so or non-manageable yardage situations where you know maybe you take a sack and you're deep, you're deep back and then you've got a 55 yarder, a 56 yarder, 60 yarder, that sort of thing. Um, maybe he's inclined to try it then, especially if there are struggles on offense, or maybe you have a big lead already. Any of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you, you got to read the situation. I, I, I'm inclined to think though, based on what we saw. If they are in that territory, John, 60, 62 yards, 65 yards, and it's a manageable distance, I I think we've seen them, we saw them do it last year. They may go for it with the offense more often. And so I'm not so sure that we're going to see a a lot of 60 plus yarders from McPherson unless the the yardage is kind of almost
2: borderline outrageous in terms of yards to get a first down. Especially when you're talking about an offense that has more presumably more confidence in the offensive line. Like when you feel like you can protect your quarterback in obvious passing situations, you're naturally going to be inclined to be more aggressive. And that was, I still contend that that's the biggest reason why you saw Zach Taylor in his play calling be conservative because he knew that he couldn't trust his offensive line to hold up in some of the situations and the offensive line more times than not proved him right. So McPherson, he's always got that leg power in, in his back pocket and that's always a That's always an asset that they can use, but Mm -hmm. you're right. I think when it comes, when it comes down to it, they're going to want to have Burrow have the ball there compared to, you know, trusting McPherson, but it's it's not an indictment on McPherson. It's just just how you do it in the NFL.
1: Right. All right. Well, this is the last one for me. If you got another one, John, go for it, but I'm going to, I'm going to end it on this one. Not only because he's a a good friend of the show, but because of the topic, here we go. How's that (laughs) moth looking? From our buddy Jason Von Stein. Um, I, yeah, it's like, you know, what, what do you do here? But I guess just, again, to kind of talk about this this situation, you've got Drew Sample who has an knee injury right now. Uh, you have a Moss who was activated in the middle of last year and was supposedly going to be part of, however big or small, part of the offensive game plan, not just special teams guy. Um, And now he's in that critical year three of his NFL career and development. Um, They did not make a lot of, they kind of just, uh, I mean, it it would seem maybe Hurst is a lateral move, if not better than CJ Uzama uh, so far, at least they didn't really bolster it in the draft. They didn't, I mean, they they have an undrafted free agent and whatnot, but I I don't know. Is this, is this a guy that's going to hang on this year to the active roster or is this just kind of, Hey, it's just not going to work.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's still a little bit too early to know. But the good news is I, I think um, our good buddy James Rapine, who is celebrating his birthday today. So happy birthday. Is James! He? Oh, yeah. happy birthday, James. Yeah. Um, so Rapine talked to Thad Moss, I think, sometime this week and uh, just about his health. And because that was one of the reasons why like, he couldn't really do – much of anything last year. He was still dealing with minor injuries throughout the season. He ended, just ended up being on the practice squad. But it kind of feels like that's all kind of in the rearview mirror. I know he was on the rehab field earlier this week, but um, I, I think for the most part he's pretty much good good to do anything and everything right now. So with Drew Sample missing some time, yes, that will naturally get more reps in practice. But, again, like I feel like will, Mitch Wilcox is still ahead of him on the depth chart because they probably trust him more. On special teams and as an yep. inline blocker, where they have Drew Sample in there a lot. So if Sample's injury kind of bleeds into the regular season, maybe you have Thad Moss in there as that third tight end. But I think they're comfortable with just him being on the practice squad. And maybe like if something happens to Hurst and again Sample's still injured, maybe that's a window of opportunity for Thad Moss as a receiver because there's still plenty of work for him to do to become like a full all-around tight end at this point.
1: All right, uh, you want to get to anything else before we hop out of here, my friend?
2: I just want a quick shout out to a friend of the show, uh, Taylor Cornell, who is I think still in here. He said, love me some Tony and Johnny time, and definitely check out uh, Taylor's podcast, the Houday Den podcast, and you can find that wherever you can get your podcasts. Um, one real quick question, I guess, before we get out of here, uh, Joshua Patterson's asking if there is if, if there was to be a surprise trade from the Bengals like Billy Price last year, who do you think he would be? I can't really think of one off the top of my head, to be honest with you. Like with Price last year, him being in the last year of his contract, him being a guy that probably wasn't going to make the roster, that was the two biggest reasons why they ended up making that deal. But, I mean, now you have the guys who were entering the last year, of their deals are either from the 2019 class or they're on just one-year deals and they brought them back to be – Guys to compete for roster spots. I don't, I don't think there is anyone from that 2019 class that they would want to trade right now. Like they're not trading Jonah, they're not trading Jermaine Pratt. I don't think Drew Sample is going to fetch very much of anything on the trademark, especially now that he's injured. And that's basically about it that they've kept from that class. Like Trayvon Williams is still around, but no one from that fourth round is still here. And um, yeah, like I, I feel like there's not really a Billy Price equivalent on the team right now and that's definitely a good thing like yes you you might not have someone that you're willing to part ways with in the trade to get a bj hill but also that bj hill trade it very much can be seen as like a lightning in the bottle situation like hill ended up in the perfect situation for him and you know they got rid of a player that again they weren't going to keep around and that trade just doesn't happen every year but when the Bengals do find that opportunity more times than not they do take it but i just don't think they're going to get that opportunity this year
1: yeah, the only I want to go back to one of the questions that was asked earlier about you know some who, who could you see impressing in the preseason. Uh, go go look at the the depth and the amount of seemingly talented bodies in the edge group, right? Or or defensive line when you look at you know you've got Khalid Kareem, you've got Wyatt Huber coming back, you just drafted Jeffrey Gunter, you've got I mean you got uh, Cam Sample there, right? I mean there are a lot of guys there now. The difference is those are fourth round seventh round type of six round type of players and not a fir- former first round pick like a Billy Price, but like an offensive line and a center um, on the open market, uh, the edge rusher is a premium position in the NFL. And so while those guys aren't high picks and teams may say, wow, they're going to cut them anyway, because those were low picks and they're not, you know, they're not cutting bait with someone that they've got a heavy capital ties to, but there may be someone that flashes that, There just isn't enough room for them on this team, and so maybe at the you know right before final cuts or you know a couple games into preseason, maybe that's someone they look at shipping away for another position. That that seems to be while there's some questions as to who's gonna. I mean, you've got Hubbard, you've got Hendrickson, you've got Osai, and then you've got a lot of different guys to sort out behind all that, right? So I mean, there are some talented guys, guys who made the occasional play for them last year and guys who were hurt that they had some decent expectations for. So maybe that's where that one of
2: those positions where you say, Hey, that's, that's maybe one where they can get a little something from. Yeah. And I think they, they, they would definitely want to see like who emerges out of that group, but you're right. There's a lot of depth there and it is a premium. And I, I would say to, to your point, I feel like that's more likely than them trying to trade Jesse Bates, which again, I don't think is really in the cards for them.
1: I don't think that's in the cards either, unless there's a major issue and he just refuses to play it all, which I I don't know. I don't really see happening. Before we get out of here, thanks for all of your questions. We appreciate it. Sorry if we did not get to yours. Just want to remind folks again to go to go.com slash Pollock Family Foundation. Uh, we are in need of a lot of different funds there. So please, please, please go support that how you can. We're looking to um, make a sizable impact there. And we're going to keep kind of trying to raise some money for all of the great things that they do. Thank you all for your questions. Have a great weekend, John. Have a good weekend, my friend. Thanks for making time today and uh, bringing the knowledge as always. I'll talk to you next week, man. All right. Take care, everyone.